Welcome to Holistic Hideaway, your weekly transformative journey into the world of holistic health and well-being. I'm your host, Ilana Cohen. Today, we have an awesome guest, Reverend Kelly Addison, who is a cannabis educator, keynote speaker, and spiritual leader. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Hi, Alana. I'm so good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm just really happy to be here. I'm excited. You're in a different country than me. So it's always nice to see you being in a different country than me. For those of you that don't know, Kelly is located in Canada, which I originally we got in touch just talking about our health and wellness journeys and how we both very much care and resonate with the holistic aspects of cannabis. So Kelly, let's start first with how you became an ordained minister of cannabis, which I didn't even know you could do. I, I just made it up out of thin air. I really did. Well, sort of. No, no, not really. And then sort of. It, it led me there. I had a path. Like it was, of course, one of those things that is that spiritual path, that calling. But when it comes to being an ordained cannabis minister, that's just something that I titled because I became a metaphysical mir- uh, minister of spirituality and um, with, with the spiritual designation of the metaphysics. And then I realized that I, I hadn't become ordained for that. I, that wasn't my path. I became ordained because I'd already been working as a Reiki master and already in the different healing modality field. But cannabis was that thread. And I had owned, uh, I had opened a cannabis lounge by then. I had a cannabis brand that I was developing. I'd written cannabis courses. So everything that I did was in the vein of cannabis spirituality. So I took a deep dive and really to find out what that meant and what that plant connection was. And I went, oh, okay, I'm a minister of that then. So that's how that happened. And then everything after that worked out after. So, and I've been an ordained minister for three years now. That's great. It's very unique that you have come up with this great title for yourself. And of course, you haven't been busy at all working in this space. (laughs) Just kidding. So when we have chatted before, I know that both of us have been on a journey for our mental health, including PTSD, trauma, mental illness, anxiety, and we're both very vocal about it. And I think, you know, that is why we have gravitated towards each other. Do you want to tell us about kind of how you came to cannabis to treat your own mental well-being and holistic wellness? I actually, I came to cannabis before I realized I was even doing that. I fell upon it. I was working as a teacher. Um, I worked as a broadcaster for a decade, and then I worked as a teacher. And as I was working in that field, I I just transitioned into cannabis just naturally because I was leaving uh, education and and realizing I wanted to educate about cannabis and took a lot of courses. People were coming up to me and asking me questions I couldn't answer. So I had to go back to school and took a lot of cannabis courses and it naturally progressed uh, to a field that I I was leaving into as uh, cannabis legalization was happening here in Canada, which is coming up to five years this uh, October 17th. So while I was doing that, I was feeling that I was being called to so many other things working in that. 
um, understanding where it had gone, prohibition, the absolute um, genocide of humanity based on taking away cannabis for almost 100 years and getting angry and wanting to really be an advocate and a, and a fighter for this global anti-legalization globally. And so while that was happening and all that digging, I've had to understand what cannabis was doing. And I went, I have a what? There are endo what's there are cannabis and I I couldn't believe that we had never been taught this. This should be something that we're taught from birth. This should be certainly something that doctors and nurses and all of our medical professionals should have been taught in school, but they aren't. They still aren't enough. Maybe a little paragraph here or maybe a week lesson seminar there, but certainly not enough to save humans the way that they should be. So I felt that I should dig a little bit more. And then I realized that if I used cannabis intentionally, for my mind, body, and spirit, I could help myself. I could help the fact that I wasn't sleeping and I was sick mentally and I was sick physically. And then when I started to recognize that I could do that, I got healthier and I got more well and I got stronger. And I went, oh, I think I should tell these stories. And so then I started telling other people's human stories about how cannabis saved their lives. And it does. Cannabis will save your life if you allow it to do that. I 100% agree. And, you know, I and many others are on the same journey as you and really just trying to make ourselves better and ending the stigma. We always talk about more education being needed. And I'm in awe with you about how you went back to school after a career in broadcast, which, you know, also many people in the cannabis industry, we all came from different backgrounds and then decided to take our skills or learn something new and get into the field. What I would love to know is how did you have time to do all of this and open up a cannabis lounge and your podcast and speak on all these panels? Where do you find the time? (laughs) I thought I, and I'm going to say this very, very clearly, I thought I was superwoman and I I was for five years. I worked 14, 16 hours days and I lost a lot of time with my family and I built and I built and I built and I didn't take a day off. I'd maybe take half a day here and there. It it wasn't healthy. I mean, I I built six brands. I wrote courses. I built an entire media channel. I had a lounge. I traveled and I spoke at, like you're saying, like it was, it's the the whirlwind that has happened over these last five years has been wow. But in March of this year, I did a really, really, really big project. I curated uh, an entire stage show for the biggest cannabis expo Toronto, Canada has ever seen. And after that, I I crashed. I went, oh my goodness, I did all of that and all of that time. And yeah, it was it was wonderful. I was in magazines and I was podcasts around the world and it was so glorious, but I didn't take time for me. And I'm saying it in this way because I've recognized that now entrepreneurs don't realize that when we're in the thick of it, when we're in the mission to build and build and build and build and build and go and go and go and you sell your house and you cash in your RRSPs and you do whatever you can to get there. And absolutely climbing to the top, being on a stage is so wonderful, but not for your health and not for your well-being. And so I, I took a little bit of a scope in these last couple of months, Alana, and I recognize that. And I'm saying that now loudly and clearly is that anybody that is working for that hustle, it's beautiful to have that hustle, but also find that balance. It's really, really important. So I found it and uh, wow, we've got really big projects on the go, don't we, Alana? Absolutely. And 
to let all of you know, Kelly and I have been talking and working together about how we can just keep spreading the message of cannabis and the holistic aspects of it and how it can truly, truly help us. I'm very open about my journey and struggles with mental health and also using cannabis and psychedelics and helping me with a natural way instead of having to use big pharma. And Kelly and I have a lot in common in that sense. And we really want to educate people as we talked about, but at the same time, we have to have our own skills and our own ways to go about things. So, you know, Kelly and I are now, we're two women on a crusade to change the negative stigma and of course band together and see what we can do, not just in Canada, but also in Illinois where I'm located and truly all over the world. And also I would love to kind of just pepper in that hustle. That's a word we hear so much in this industry. I talk about my hustle, opening my own public relations agency and doing journalism. And, you know, we get burnt out. And that's something that everyone has to deal with within their careers. But with burnout in the cannabis industry, we don't want to stop. We're moving a million miles a minute, which of course is not exactly great for your mental health. And Kelly explained it beautifully, but we care so much that we will do anything it takes to bring to light the absolute benefits of the plant and the passion of the plant, which we both very much believe in. And Kelly, so you brought up your family and your husband is from Jamaica. He's born in Canada, but his all his brothers and sisters and his parents are from Jamaica. So he's the firstborn Canadian here. Awesome. So how has his background, you know, we talked about his Rastafarian background and how he goes about different, you know, practices. How has that culminated and worked together with what you're doing? You know, he's got such a unique perspective on the world based on that. Being a Black culture growing up in a white society and and really and truly being that only Black kid on the white block kind of thing, he had to face a lot of things that I could never understand. Also growing up as a son of a, and I'm I'm hoping I'm going to say it right, uh, 12 tribe Rastafarian. I always want to make sure that I'm clearly speaking of it and the respect that it deserves because Rastafari does deserve a lot of respect. The liberty, the values that we find from there are just incredible. So he's grown up like this oppression and, and with these values and cannabis growing in his backyard and, you know, thoughts of of possible jail life or friends, family members all around him all the time. That was not a perspective that I grew up with at all. <laughs> like I never, right. I never even realized that cannabis was illegal in the sense that I, I mean, as I'm working in the music industry and broadcasting and hanging out with bands and everybody's smoking weed and nobody ever talks about it, like it's medicine or illegal and nobody's realizing that they're fighting for their lives for it or that people are selling it so they can put food on the table for their kids 
or that people are in jail just because they have a plant. No, we don't know any of those things. So as I've been learning the perspectives of cannabis in the last five years and seeing that and recognizing that and hearing it right in my own home from him and and realizing completely different world, I, I have grown up with such privilege. I have had such privilege being a white woman, an attractive white woman in this world. Oh my goodness, we go missing on the news. Oh my goodness, the whole world hears about us. That's a perspective I didn't know before. Seeing cannabis in this way, seeing the way that people that have come before me and I honor them. I honor the people that have lost their lives. I've honored the people that are in jail for this. I never saw any of that. So to answer your question, <laughs> he woke me up in a lot of ways. Absolutely. Being in a relationship where still in the neighborhoods that we walk through, being a white woman with a black man, my goodness. If we're smoking weed together, oh my goodness, they're they're running away from us. Like, you're, you know, don't let the children near them. And that still right. happens. We're in a rural community. Um, and that's still happening right here in 2023. I've learned so much about um, Leonard Howell and Marcus Garvey and the four founders of the Rastafarian beliefs and a liberty and system that we should really all take a big chunk from and learn from, not just with cannabis, but the different herbs that they, they use and the way that they live off the land and the way that they love and just so completely love and give you hope and freedom. They have faced so much more than, than we can ever understand, even um, in the sense that living in Jamaica, they had to be forced into the hills because they weren't even welcome there because they're so different. So there's a lot of story to be told. And my husband tells it so beautifully. And I'm honored to learn the tales and the stories from him. That's wonderful. And I also completely agree, as you know, being a white woman in, you know, a suburban suburb where I'm from, I was actually listening or watching a show last night where there was missing people. It's called found. And they actually made a point of saying on the news, if a, you know, white child or person goes missing, that's what's always getting the media attention. And that's who they're looking for. Whereas they were saying that people of color and minorities, it seems still that they're not getting the attention that they need and the help that they need. And we're still fighting that today when we're going with social equity and really trying to highlight people in this industry that are of color, are women, are Rastafarian. I think that there's so many different people and aspects of this industry that we still don't know about because we're not taking that time to do the education or taking the time to learn. Like you said, you didn't even know it was illegal at first. And, you know, when I was 15 and I smoked out of a bowl for the first time, it didn't occur to me that it was illegal. I just knew that my parents probably didn't want me doing it. <laughs> and um, I love that you and your husband both have this knowledge and that you can speak together, that he can speak to it. And I think it adds another layer to you about also being married to a Jamaican man who has, of course, a very different story than you, like many of us, but we can all connect it to each other. Do you feel I that that has also helped you in making decisions on what you wanted to learn, like becoming certified in Reiki and really spotlighting on mental health and also the culture of cannabis. You're all over the map with doing so many different things. I never set out to do 
any one of them at all. As I was working in my last career as a, a teacher, I never realized that this was, I was going to do this, but it just kept unfolding. One would pop up after another. I felt called to yoga. I felt called to understand um, bakshi yoga. I felt called to understand energy healing. And then when I became attuned to Reiki healing, I found the power in it. And I recognized um, that is a call, a call and a need to heal. And then it just fit with everything else that came after that. I've, I learned herbalism. I learned uh, naturopathic remedies. And just one after another, it would just fit along with cannabis. When I started getting angry, I guess, at the same time as learning about that, that's when the bigger issues started having voice. So as I became more conscious in the last five years by using cannabis, by being able to meditate and talk to spirit and learn um, the Hare Krishna principles of which um, Krishna consciousness is, is so close to my heart. And so as I'm learning all of these different practices, I'm, I'm learning the, the messages of Jesus and different religions and finding where that purpose fits all along how it connects to the plant. Because I don't pray. I don't do yoga. I don't meditate. I, I don't do anything unless I'm intentionally consuming cannabis before I do it. And so how is that connecting to the earth? How is that connecting to mother earth and to mother nature and the, the world around me? And as I'm seeing that consciousness, I am waking up more and more and more and recognizing that, oh my goodness, this world around me is not a good place for my child in the sense that we've let really horrible things lead us in this world. There, Like we said, there's a hundred years taken from humanity with cannabis. Can you imagine what would have happened if cannabis had never been made illegal and prohibition had never happened? What kind of diseases would be eradicated right now? What kind of people would be healthy? That health, mind, body, and spirit, our hospitals would be defunct. Our big pharma would be down. It is the human genocide, like I said before. And that makes me angry. That makes me angry and want to fight. I want to fight for the people that are in jail for the plant. I want to fight for our planet that is burning because they're not conscious enough to use hemp over the, the fossil fuels that we're using. There's a lot of work to do. And so I, I guess I'm just on my soapbox. Absolutely. I think all of us are on a soapbox and really just trying to spread our message. And, you know, I will admit that I never wanted to talk in front of people. I'm extremely introverted and people don't believe that when they meet me, but that is because cannabis has helped me be able to be comfortable, leave the house, talk to people, network, and just really get myself into the community, which is what we all need to do. We need to band together and we need to get more people on board. And Kelly, being in Canada, in Canada and, you know, we obviously have different laws and different regulations and stipulations, but we definitely have the same message. And what are you hoping that we can kind of do to bridge the gap between U.S. and Canada and the world in general? Well, first of all, your country needs to legalize the plant federally immediately. There needs to be the Safer Banking Act right away. What is going on? In Michigan alone, in the month of July, there was, I think it was $2.77 million spent on cannabis. That's one state in one month. And it keeps going up, 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 up. I mean, Michigan just loves their weed. <laughs> I bless you, Michigan. Absolutely. There's just one state, you guys. Come on, what's going on? Your state there, what, uh, Illinois, holy just 
pumping. They just passed billions in the last few years. You've sold billions of dollars in cannabis in your state in the last few years. It is astronomical what is happening. The taxes that are being collected, your country needs to legalize cannabis. When that happens, it will spur for other countries and nations globally. And, and that that is my, my wish, my hope. Even Singapore, I'm even holding out for Singapore one day, but I'm hoping that that will happen. Globalize, uh, legalization globally. Now, what we can do with Canada and U.S. relations to help with this is cannabis tourism. So one of the things that I'm I'm really, really proud to say is that I'm a founding member of the Canadian Cannabis Tourism Alliance here in Canada. It's sort of the lobbying body for um, cannabis tourism. We actually went to Ottawa to talk to the big wigs this past April and make some change, change with legislation, things like um, smoking and uh, cannabis lounges uh, using or being able to sell cannabis beverages over alcohol beverages. This legislature was never written. So we're hoping to get those kinds of things written. Now, when that happens, we want all of your citizens to come up to Canada and uh, utilize our cannabis tourism. And I'm, I'm talking about cannabis festivals and I'm talking about cannabis rides and cannabis parks and cannabis spas and cannabis restaurants and anything that you can think of is the future of where we're going, at least in our country. And I know your country has some really beautiful cannabis tourism there, specifically in Denver, specifically uh, in California. You've got some really great, fantastic things happening. So there should just be sort of like an interchanging of people going back and forth and utilizing the beautiful cannabis opportunities for cannabis tourism. And I think that is what's going to help bridge our countries together. That's perfect. And that makes me so jealous that you have all of those spas and festivals and lounges. Right now in Illinois, we have three consumption lounges with a fourth coming soon. And I would love to see us have more throughout Illinois and even in other states that are just not there yet. You guys are light years ahead of us. And I think we can definitely learn from you. And we all, you and I also connected based on cannabis tourism as I represent many resorts and cannabis wellness resorts were actually within Jamaica. And I think that's something, you know, that we both are very passionate about because tourism is anywhere and can be anywhere. And once we make it more cannabis friendly and more, you know, able to attain and obtain cannabis and really just enjoy it and not just have to use it within our homes and as our medicine, it's definitely something that we can use as a social means as well. It's just like, you know, going to a bar and having a drink. And it just is a great way to bring us together in community members, meeting new people, learning new things. And Kelly is definitely you're one of the people that I've been learning from since we've been talking and working together. And I would love if we could bring everything you said over to the United States. And yep, I can't can't wait to come and go out there and visit you and really see what the landscape is out there. Yes. Come on up. <laughs> awesome. And so what do you have next? You have a lot coming up and you're already doing a ton. So what do we have to look forward to? Well, I'm, I'll, I'll just plug the book because Christmas is coming up. We released a book last year called The Smelliest Flower in the Garden, and it is a children's book. It goes alongside the course that's coming out, I think probably 
sometime this fall. I want to say November 2023 is when we're going to see it hit the internet. It's a course, How to Talk to Your Kids About Cannabis. So the book goes along with it, but you can order Smelliest Flower in the Garden off Amazon right now. And it is a book that I wrote with my husband. We wrote it under the name Team Planet Love. And it's about Candace, the cannabis plant. And she's growing in a garden of mean girl flowers that don't understand why she's so smelly and ugly with her orange hairs. But then they realize that she is actually medicine for this boy that they love and they end up loving her. And that just sort of teaches children that cannabis is for them too. Cannabis is okay and it's not scary and it is safe for all of us from birth right up until whenever we go. And it should be for everybody and it should be talked about. And when we you talk about it in our course, how to talk to your kids about cannabis, we talk about that too. We talk about if a child needs it, that they should never be shamed for it. We talk about if mommy or daddy or caregiver need it for us, for, for them, uh, then they should never be shamed for that too. And just answer some questions about what cannabis is and how it helps all everybody and, and how, how it can help even children, right, from babies. I love the idea and the messaging with this book. I definitely am going to be ordering it for many people. I think that this could be a great learning experience for not just our kids, but for parents and cannabis curious in general. And I love how you guys tied it into a real life example. People kids especially being mean to other kids if they're nerdy ones. And I think that is also going to be a great message and hopefully help our youth and our future learn how to be more accepting, which is the goal of cannabis as well. And I love that you guys did it under your different name. Everything that you guys do and everything that you do, Kelly, has a very spiritual name to it, which really draws me in and I think is going to draw many people in because it's more, let's say, user-friendly and people are going to understand because you're not doing it in such a scientific way. Do you see yourself continuing to do these types of books and courses and really just the education of every demographic you can? Every every way that we can spread the message. Yes. So the, the brand Team Planet Love is one that um, Rich and I developed together. And, and that has that message too. We have a, a little podcast that we do and a little following that we have just to speak the messages of, of mind, body and spirit and, and hope and wellness. And, and yes, moving forward. The, the humans that are living unconscious right now, it, it breaks my heart. I think about it all of the time, how how it must be to just live in that fog and not be aware that what you're doing is harming your body or just going along and taking polypharmacy one pill after another to help with one pill. So any way that I can put forth those messages, absolutely. And talking about the little ones, I mean, I was a teacher for a long time. Rich has always taught in his way differently, um, mostly community and, and street children, actually. He drew the pictures of the book, and we have intention, actually, to do another one um, based on going to a cannabis fair and how children can see different opportunities with cannabis there. And that's the visualizing, right? If you're in a, if you're in a grocery store and you say to the cashier, I'm picking up these eggs so I can go make my cannabis brownies when I get home because that helps me with my arthritis. Well, that's just opened up a conversation. If you have that book on your coffee table and a little one comes and says, what's this? Well, now that opens up that conversation. So that's just all it is. Little ways, little check-ins, just ways that we can all connect together and move forward and be healthy, find homeostasis. 
Well, I definitely hope I'm one of those people that continues to find that. And I am so glad to be on this journey with you and have you as a mentor and be able to collaborate. And I cannot wait to see what your next endeavor is, which I already know you have a lot of things in the works. And I can't wait for us to be able to bring you to the States and for you to spread your messaging and expertise as well. Thanks for having me today, Alana, Tree of Life. I think you're beautiful and I think your roots are really grounded and I feel really, really, really grateful to be connecting with you. Right back at you. Can you let us know where people can find you on your website and otherwise? So the network is called the KGL Network. We're known mostly as Kelly's Green Lounge. I'm Reverend Kelly. And you can also find KGL TV as our media brand. And we have five new shows a week with incredible hosts from the US, yes, and Canada as well, comedians and educators and really beautiful people. So KGL TV is the brand. I think you'll find some cannabis content that you'll love there. Wonderful. Everyone should check out this platform and keep learning from Reverend Kelly. Thanks again for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Holistic Hideaway. You can download past episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or the Cannabis Radio app for iTunes and Google Play, as well as subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.